Welcome back. <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer. We'll get started. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us to come before you, and we thank you for your presence. We thank you for just looking after us, guarding over us. And we thank you also for the reminders to seek you in your word, seek you in your presence. Lord, we know that you are always present, but know, Lord, you put it upon us to look to you, to come to you, to see you. And you told one of the uh, disciples, come and see. And we thank you for that call that you give to us to come and seek after you. We pray now, Lord, that you'll bless us with your presence, bless us with the presence of the Spirit in all discussion, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go to Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1, and pick up where we left off. Yes, I'm sorry. There you go. There shouldn't be too many people that need it, unless if they do... And I'm going to tell them, don't throw away your lessons. Hang on to them and keep them. We appreciate that. Last week we gave a, a conversation about if God spoke to you as he did Habakkuk and said that you'd be amazed about what he's going to do, what would you expect that outcome to be? And we have that checklist on that page too. Uh, great, exciting, appropriate, hopeful, disappointing, painful, or the proverbial other And I think we came to the conclusion that it could be all of those things. Uh, If we polled the entire room, it could be all of those things, depending upon what your relationship is with Jesus Christ. Because if you have a healthy relationship, your expectations would be relatively great as far as being exciting But if you're still in development, you might have a problem with it and say, well, that's disappointing. Well, we'll just have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see what's going on. This has to do with having a confidence in Jesus Christ that he is going to do what he says he's going to do. And what you have to understand is this is in the context of prayer and waiting for God's answer to prayer and remembering that the answer may or may not be what you would expect. But it doesn't change who God is. So we need to look at our expectations in prayer as well when God says he's going to do a great and wondrous thing in the land. What does that mean to you? Now, we can use this in a context even for today. We know that God has done some amazing and wonderful things. Yes, we hear about Islam is growing. We hear about all these things. But that doesn't change in any way, shape, or form what God is doing himself. God's word is probably now more prevalent throughout the world than it has ever been. And the reason why it's more prevalent than it's ever been is because of all the different translations and different languages all of the electronic devices now that can transmit the word without you even having to give a person a Bible. If you point them to a Bible, they can find one online. They can even find one online, perhaps in their own translation. Now, I say that with the reminder that guess what? The Koran is out there too. There's all kinds of other different sources of information. 
So we recognize that. But, of course, how many believe God is in control of his people? Well, we pretty much have a unanimous response. God's in control. There's nothing that's taking place that he is unaware of. The things that you see, he knows even more about than you do. He's aware of it. And it doesn't mean that he is just sitting back idly by, waiting for something to happen. He is the driver of what is going on here. He allows even Satan to do what he does, frankly, to drive people to Christ. And he does it in a number of ways, innumerable ways. So when we, he says he's going to do a great thing in the land, he says he's going to make this great statement that even you will be amazed. What is your response? What is your response? Look at Habakkuk 2, verse 1. This is the response. I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. So basically, Habakkuk is saying, okay, I'm going to take a look and I'm going to wait. I'm going to see exactly what God is talking about. The expectation is there. God has given the expectation. So now he's going to sit and wait and see. So what did Habakkuk do while he waited for God to move in Habakkuk 2.1? There's three choices on, the, on your sheet. He prayed more, he worried, he waited and watched. He waited and watched. He waited and watched. How do you know if God is going to answer your prayer? You have to wait and you have to watch. In other words, you've got to observe what's going on. Because remember, the answer may not come in a way you expect it to come. I think that's a, that's a caution for all of us. When we pray for something, the answer may not come in the way you expect it to come. It may come in a completely different way than what your expectation is. And that doesn't mean that it's necessarily a bad thing. It may mean simply that, hey, I didn't consider this. Remember, we are limited by how we perceive things. We don't always perceive all the elements of what's going on. God is doing amazing and wonderful things. I read a, a post with a person that we, we normally go see once a year. It's Martin Lesh. He's a, he's a jazz musician. And, and Martin has been going through illnesses that I didn't even know. I mean, he was, he was really sick for a while there where he wasn't even able to. He was having digestive issues, stomach issues and problems, and it was so progressive that he looked like he was being ravaged by the disease. But there was this experimental drug that through his doctors, he was able to take, and he is now being completely healed from what he was going through. He's not 100%, but he's much better off than he was before. Now, there's a couple things that we need to also mention here. By all indications, I don't think Martin Lesh knows the Lord. You must have read the same post that I saw. Okay. I don't think he knows the Lord. 
So there was no credit given whatsoever to God or healing in this entire process. Now you're glad to hear that he's been healed. But what's the long-term proposition here? Is that he recognizes who the Lord Jesus Christ is. Amen? If you're thinking eternally, that's exactly what you want to see happen. So here it is. He has been given this experimental drug. Experimental, which means it's not a mainstream thing. It was something that was out there, and it was something for him to try. And it appears to have reversed the symptoms of the illness to the degree now that he is actually feeling like he can eat something, eat food, do things. And this is over a course of a couple, three, four years. We're not talking about something that's recent. So this is a recent healing that he is being experiencing, but he has not mentioned God or Jesus Christ in the healing process. So what is the prognosis? Prayer for him that he sees Jesus. Martin Lesh. No, this is a person. He's down in South Carolina. He is down in, he's a person we go see at the Jazz Corner. That's where he performs at. So we always need to be thinking, even from a prayer standpoint, of eternal perspective. We are so sometimes caught up in what's going on in the here and now, but we need to recognize that there is an eternal perspective that we have to look at when it comes to prayer. Even your own prayers. And we say eternal perspective because what is still very important for you to do? Read scripture. I was very, very encouraged to see that we've gotten a spike in our website at the beginning of the year. You know why? The two-year Bible reading plan. People want to get into the Word and get a good start going with the Word. So we've had a spike on people asking. We, you know, we put the Word out on Instagram. You know, read, read the, We have a two-year Bible reading plan that can help you to be successful and read Scripture and get into a good habit starting in the new year. Because when's, when's the best time to start a Bible reading plan? January 1st. Amen? Now, you can start after that. But the point is, is that you need to realize that people, some people are just not into reading. You have to condition them to say, what's important right now? What does scripture say? Read, study, know me, seek him, and know that I am God. That's what's important. So it's an eternal perspective, getting into the word, getting into scripture, getting into good habits that will help you to... Pick up the Bible rather than put it down. Pick up the Bible rather than put it down. That's what we need to always keep in mind here. So we're going to watch and we're going to wait and see how God answers that prayer. If he says he's going to do something, then we have to have faith to say he's going to do it. That's a faith issue, isn't it? It's faith that tells us he is going to do what he says he's going to do. We just had to watch and wait and see what that is. Now, we've been praying for healing for a number of people here in the church who have had various ailments. Amen? You know, when someone gets stricken, you start praying. Because you're looking at it from a healing perspective, which is certainly temporal here. But we also want to make sure that we're praying and remembering and mind being mindful of this is God's child we're praying for. This is a person who knows you, who loves you. Lord, we lift that person up to you, that you just touch that person with your very presence and your healing power and give him what 
give him or her what he or she needs to be able to be restored. Because sometimes we're talking about restoring them to where they were before. Not knowing in God's sovereignty what's going to happen. But we still do what? We pray. Yes. Okay. Yes, right. And so it was like concentrated effort of prayer with faith to have this woman raised. That's right. And it was that effort that provided the healing, provided the vehicle for God to respond because God answers your prayer. We need to always keep that in mind. God hears your prayer, and if it's in his will, he's going to answer that prayer. He is going to fulfill that prayer. He wants to see you step up and do what people in the kingdom should be doing. Of course he heals, but he wants to step up and see you now recognize his eternal purposes. That's what he calls us to do. When he calls us to go into all the world and preach the gospel, that means we have to go. That's something for us to do. He wants us to be active in our faith, active in our waiting and watching him do great things. Those are things we have to do. You have a choice to wait or watch, don't you? That's a choice. You can say, I'll wait. I'll watch, I'll see what happens, I'll be prayerful even in the process, but you can choose not to wait or not to watch. Ah, I'm going to go and do what I want to do anyway. That's a choice. And nine times out of ten, it's the wrong choice. The wrong choice. Okay. Having closed his appeal to Yahweh, the prophet took his stand. I'm on the bottom of page two there. The prophet took his stand on the watchtower to look and listen for what God would do and say. When you're awaiting an answer from God, what best describes your posture? This is at the bottom. You see the, the grid down there. On my knees, wringing my hands, looking from the watchtower, falling from a pit into a pit of despair, shaking an angry fist, rolling my eyes in annoyance, looking at my watch slash phone, or other. What is your posture? Now, we talk about posture. What is posture? Posture, you know, typically is used on how you stand up, correct? Well, you're either going to stand up straight, because first of all, if you stand up straight and use the proper posture, it's good for your back. Especially for those of us who have back issues. If you have poor posture, guess what? Your back's going to be crying later on. You're going to be crying because your back's going to be hurting. So you need to stand up straight and wear good shoes with comfortable soles to help you on a long day. Yes, Donna's looking at me with her face <laughs> because she knows exactly why I'm saying it. But you have to have comfortable shoes, and you need to stand and make sure you're using the proper posture. 
And everybody knows, you're told when you're growing up, stop slouching, stand up straight. Amen? Everybody remembers those who were there, stop slouching. Stop leaning over sideways. Stop leaning over forward. Stand up straight. Proper posture is a health issue for many of us as we get older. The proper posture. All right. So we're using posture here in a different way. So posture being what is your best posture? What is your posture? What describes your posture while you're waiting for God to answer your prayer? And we have this grid of examples here. And some of them are from very active beseeching to indifference. So what do you think? What is your, how would you describe your posture while you're waiting for God to answer this prayer? Yes, sir. Okay. When you are waiting for the answer, you already been on the move. Okay. But now we wanna, you know, look from the watchtower. Okay. Look from the watchtower. Now, what is the proverbial watchtower? Since we're mentioning a watchtower. The word of God. Now you're talking. The word of God. It doesn't mean, you may stop praying initially there because you're on your knees, but now you're going back to what got you where you are. You're going back to basics. You're still going to do your Bible reading. You're still going to look at what Scripture has to say. You're not just going to stop and do nothing. You're going to do something that's productive in the very least, making sure that you are still building, still working on what the Lord is saying. So the watchtower is going to be the proverbial looking at what the scripture has to say. Still doing your reading. Still doing your Bible reading. Never stop reading the Bible. If, I, if you don't learn anything else from today's lesson, never stop reading your Bible. If you have to find a Bible that has words you can understand except for certain scriptural translations, I wholeheartedly endorse you to find those Bibles. Because you need to be able to understand what you're reading. And we won't get into that discussion again. I've talked about translations before, and uh, I have my opinion about them. But I think generally what we have to look, go back to is that if you can't understand the Bible, what difference does it make? You might as well find something you can understand and read the Bible. But you have to read it. So are any of those other points worthy of consideration? No. Okay. I I saw someone shake their head say no. Shaking an angry fist kind of goes back to what we were saying in the previous grid, disappointing. For those people who want God to answer that prayer right now, and they're not getting what they want right away, well, that is probably a point of contention. But shaking an angry fist isn't going to do anything. What is shaking an angry fist going to do? Is God going to say, oh, you're shaking an angry fist. Oh, boy, okay. That's not going to work, is it? It doesn't do anything. 
it doesn't do anything except show that you are in a completely different place than where you should be in your relationship with the Lord. But I mention it, turning on our discipleship caps again, not everyone is like you. There are people who may be angry with God because they don't believe he has done anything for them. Now, you've got to understand that that's real-world stuff we're talking about here. Why do people not go to church? They're not understanding what it's really all about. There's something missing in the relationship aspect with the Lord Jesus Christ where it's more like looking at your watch or your phone rather than really being active and participating in a fellowship. So from a discipleship perspective, these answers may apply to some people who have an expectation of God that hasn't been met. Now, is it a realistic expectation? Well, how would you know if you really don't read Scripture? If you don't read Scripture, guess what? You don't know. You have no idea. If you think God is a genie, then yeah, you're going to have all kinds of lofty expectations about God doing something. Healthy relationships matter. Unhealthy relationships usually have all this other garbage attached to it. But when you're counseling someone, you need to be sensitive to what you're being told and say, well, this person's in a completely different place. We need to back up and look exactly at where they are right now. And they're going to require additional counseling. And you need to always tell someone you're counseling, let's go to the Word and see what it says. Let's go to the Word and see what it says. And I'll repeat it again. Let's go to the Word and see what it says. Now, if you're going to send somebody to the Word, guess what? You've got to know it too. You've got to have some basics. You've got to have some ideas. And the Holy Spirit will give you guidance when you're counseling someone. Listen to the Spirit. Listen to the Spirit. Be sensitive to people being in a different place. People roll their eyes in annoyance. Whoa, excuse me. People roll their eyes in annoyance sometimes when you talk about God. I'm just giving you food for thought. And if you really think about it, you may know someone like this. Don't come to me with this God stuff again. Don't talk about Jesus anymore. I don't want to hear about this stuff. You've heard this. You've heard people say things like that. They're in a completely different place. That doesn't mean you stop talking to them, by the way. You still keep talking to them. So when you're waiting for an answer from God, what best describes your posture? I think we came into a, you know, are you going to fall into a pit of despair? You're going to be looking from the watchtower. All right, so let's now go, let's do a little bit of an exercise. Let's go to Matthew 24, 42. We're going to read those. It's a short passage, but this is in line with exactly this watchtower thing we're talking about. Matthew 24, 42. 
When you're there, please say amen. Amen. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. All right now. Stay awake, for you do not know what day your Lord is coming. Remember what I just said about having an eternal perspective? The eternal perspective is knowing that when the Lord is coming, that means that for all practical purposes, we're done. Amen? We're done. That's basically what this is. This is giving you a reminder that there, while there is still work to do, do it. And it says, stay awake, which means you are keeping yourself aware of the ministry of your life. Your life ministry is fully engaged right now. Amen? Fully engaged. Your life ministry is fully engaged right now, but there's going to come a time when, when the Lord returns, it's done. So we now have a sense of awareness from an eternal perspective that we need to be awake and engaged as far as what's going on. If you're in a watchtower, what do you have to be? Awake. You can't be sleeping. How many times have you heard stories about security guards, you know, they fall asleep, you know, they're falling asleep on the job, somebody breaks in and they don't know anything about it. It doesn't work. Have to stay awake. That's the reality of it. There's a, there's a job online for a chaplain, and the job shift involves being on call between 7 p.m. and 7 a.m. <laughs> certain days of the week. I'm telling myself, I don't think I can do that, at least not right now. 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. on call means if somebody's calling you and you got to go. And that's cool. I mean, you know, when you're, when you're a chaplain, those are things that you have to do. You had, but you have a shift here, 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. So it's like, I'm going to be awake at night looking at the phone, waiting for it to ring. I won't get any kind of sleep. <laughs> Amen. But that's what the job calls for. So you have to be ready. Be prepared. Stay awake. You do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Now let's flip over to um, Ephesians 6.18. So we kind of keep that verse in mind. Now let's look at Ephesians 6.18. And this is actually after you're looking at the preparation aspect of what you should be doing in ministry. Ephesians 6.18. Let me know when you get there. Just say amen when you're ready. Amen? amen. Ephesians 6.18. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance making a supplication for all the saints. So what you're doing is you're staying active while you're watching. You're staying active in what ways? Praying at all times. With all prayer and supplication. Keeping alert with all perseverance because you're standing firm. You're standing in the word. And you're making supplication for all the saints. I mean, you're praying for other people too. 
That verse is just laced with prayer, prayer, and more prayer. So while you're waiting and watching, you may not, to Roscoe's point, you may not be on your knees, but you should be actively watching and praying. So what we're talking about here is basically the root essence of being a believer in Jesus Christ. Praying and watching. Watching and praying. That is the root essence of what you do. And from that, you can go out into all the world and preach the gospel because the Spirit is actively involved in your prayers and actively involved in your watching. Being aware of what's going on around you. Being sensitive to people in need in the body of Christ. You go to church to lift up the saints. To pray for the saints. You have a fellowship. We have a small army, but it's a mighty army. Remember, if you go back in Ephesians, you're putting on the helmet of salvation. Putting on the full armor of God. That's a little army. That's exactly what this is. Pray for people who are alone. Who sit in their homes and can't get out. Or for whatever reason have hardened hearts and don't want to get out. And come out to a fellowship. You pray for those people because they're not praying for themselves. Amen? They're not praying for themselves. That's why you have a fellowship. When people argue about, I don't want to go to church. I don't want people to know my business. Satan is racking them up. Those are all reasons that Satan gives you to not do something. You can find excuses to do all kinds of things. Or not do things. Now, it doesn't mean people haven't been hurt. No. Just about everybody I know has been hurt at some time in their life. Guys, too. Right, Roscoe? No, guys don't talk about it. But guys have been hurt, too. It's always nice to have a musical interlude while you're talking. It's like background music. Guys have been hurt, too. They just don't talk about it. But you do what? You... Take the experience and you learn from it and you give that to the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't care how you've been hurt. It could have been a little or it could have been a lot. The answer is the same. You still give it to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one ministering to you personally. How does he do that? You have to be prayerful. You have to be introspective. You have to be watching how he answers your prayer. He wants you to come to Him. He wants you to be in the Word so that He can speak to you through it. Okay, so we've seen the two examples in Matthew 24, 42 and Ephesians 6, 18. Use those as a guide to write a prayer expressing your desire to wait well for God's answer. And the verses are actually there on the page. I provide those for you so you could have those as well, too. So this is going to be a homework assignment because I don't expect you. You can jot something down if you want to right now. But take the time to look at those passages and now come up with a prayer expressing your desire to wait 
well for God's answer. Waiting well means what? Waiting with a good spirit, good attitude, doing so in such a way where you're not moaning and groaning and complaining because God hasn't answered the prayer the way you want him to. That ain't waiting well. Now, you've heard people moaning and complaining. What kind of a life do you think that is to be constantly complaining and moaning and groaning that things aren't going your way? It's miserable. It's miserable. No believer in Jesus Christ should have that kind of a life experience. When you go back and look at God's goodness, what are you complaining about? What is your complaint? It shouldn't be anything. Even people who might get on your last nerves. Amen? Because there are people out there that can, and perhaps do, get on your last nerves. But what do you do about those people? You pray for them. Pray for something to happen to them that they have some sort of peace. I mean, my goodness, even Grouchy Smurf smiled one time. Yes, he actually did. I know. It's amazing to actually hear that. He actually did. (laughs) I kid you not. I wouldn't make this up. I'm a trained observationist. Yes. Did you have your hand up? I'm sorry. Yeah, when uh, Trump said Pelosi didn't pray for him. Yes. He didn't understand what prayer was about. Okay. Because you're going to pray for your enemies. Yeah, that's true. You know, that no, she don't pray for me. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Prayer is something that we all can do, right? The key, though, is what we're praying for and how we're praying. It's something we all can do. We all should be doing. Amen? If we're watching, we should be praying. Amen. So that, where it says, Dear God, I got a big box up there. There's a big box. So it's not something that, honestly, use this as part of your devotional time. Where you're doing your your Bible reading, and then you're doing your meditation and prayer. Use this as part of your Bible time to write down a prayer It helps you express your desire to wait well for God's answer. Now, why do I have to say wait well? Because some of us don't wait very well. If you're talking about a prayer that may span decades, decades, well, one decade is 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. 40 years. Yeah. You need to keep in mind that waiting well means a consistent behavior that's reflective of understanding it is well with my soul. That's where it has to come back to. It is well with my soul. Yes, he is. I love the fact that you can clearly see that Nebraska knows the very characteristic of God. He's yeah. questioning why they injustice is revealed. Yes. And then he's 
Yes. Knowing that it's going to be just, mm-hmm. not necessarily great. In, you know what I mean? In my human. In your human thinking, no, I right. There, I, don't think, I don't see there being a worry or frustration. I think he's to the point because he has that relationship to where he really knows, God, I just have to be still and wait to see what you're going to do. And I think as we mature in Christ, we all, like you said, are on different levels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're then able to anticipate what he's going to do mm-hmm. versus complain and have that worrisome spirit. That's right. As we walk through things. You said it in a mouthful. It's all about your relationship with the Lord. If you know his character, you said that word, if you know his character, if you know his goodness, you know that he intends it for good, everything that comes to take place, bad's going to happen but we need to know about his character. If you know about his character, you're going to do exactly what Habakkuk is doing. I'm going to watch, I'm going to wait, and I'm going to sit, and I'm going to be focused on what you're saying. It's all about knowing his character. Putting on my discipleship hat on again. A lot of what Faith just said, a lot of people are not there. They don't know God's character. They don't know who he is. They don't know what he can do. They know he's there, but they don't know anything about a relationship with him. The relationship is not there. So we need to understand that when we're talking to people and be patient with them as we try to steer them into learning more about what that true relationship is, what his true character is. Knowing that there's baggage in there somewhere that's preventing this relationship from taking place. If you're going to disciple people, you have to get down and dirty with them sometimes. Not everyone is going to be at a level of maturity to be able to take this information and handle it the first time out. You have to work with people. You have to talk to people. You have to share with people. Share with people where you came from. Show them that you are blessed because of your relationship with the Lord, but you came from a very dark place at one point yourself. Okay, sorry. I think you just said what I was, I was along the lines of what Faith was saying. Yeah. We have to also understand when you're not there, just be honest. Be honest. And say, I don't have a clue. Yep. I don't know. And, and maybe sometimes you may have to just say, I haven't been as faithful as, mm-hmm. you know, grandmama or mama's been trying to tell me this, and I'm a little behind the eight ball, mm-hmm. and so now I need some help. Sometimes you just have to simply ask the Lord, and he will yes. he'll give it to you, uh, and that's one of the things that I do share when I'm sitting with women or whoever I'm sitting with. Mm-hmm. Don't be a pretender, just go. Just do it. Right. Uh, but like Faith said, it's apparently uh, he is seeking time to do it. Mm-hmm. And then it's soft. Uh, mm-hmm. But even as a seasoned Christian, sometimes you don't know, you don't see, but you know enough yeah. that you can trust him. And Amen. then he will be there and he will have your best fear at hand. The mustard seed of faith is what applies. 
you know enough to be very, very helpful in the body of Christ. You do. Go ahead, sir. Right. Yep. Something that you've experienced, and then you know they see that you uh, follow a Christian, mm-hmm. you know, following Christ. Mm-hmm. Well, it gives them the attitude that you know it might work for me, mm-hmm. you know, but you you know it's an on and off thing, and you have to stay with it. See, that's that's the key. To stay with it. Even though they're not here present, mm-hmm. you still perhaps cannot lose contact with them. Now I'm going to challenge you on one other thing too, and this is for everybody else to hear as well too sometimes we project projection not in all cases the person will blame somebody else why they're not in church but it really is about a beef with God but they will not admit publicly that they're angry with God that's an eternal thing I'm not saying in all cases but in a lot of cases it's a beef with God but they'll project on somebody else or something else So we need to be conscious of that as we talk to people. The Spirit will give you guidance in those things. But a lot of people project. Correct. They've got stories. stories. It may be a person may be doing something, but there can also be, I'm just giving you just additional insight, projection. Because it does come down to, all right, this other person did this. Well, why are you correlating that then with getting closer to the Lord? Why are you now using that as a barrier? So there has to be some healing that has to take place. Amen? When you disciple people, when you talk to people, it sometimes takes quite a bit of time. That's correct. That's right. That's the other thing. Because now we have to take and separate the fact that here are people who are in charge, in some cases, have positions of authority where they've abused it, especially in the Catholic Church. My goodness. I mean, we're seeing evidence of that. So, yes, that is going to be an issue to deal with, too. So now we've just opened a whole Pandora's box. But that's okay. We're going to stop. (laughs) This is a good stopping point here. But just keep in mind, though, that when you're discipling people and talking to people, it can't be, if you have an ongoing relationship with them, don't just do it one time and then let it go. Keep talking. Keep sharing. But I want to get back to something that Pearl was saying, too. We have to make sure we got our act together as we talk to people, which means we need to be prayerful and watching and doing all the things, looking at God, what God is doing in our lives. The busier we get, the tougher it gets to slow down and really observe what he's doing. So make sure that you're aware of that each day going forward. Don't let your busyness take you away from watching and waiting. Use this as a homework assignment. Write down a guide as a guide to prayer. Write a prayer expressing your desire to wait well for God's answer using those verses. Let that be a template for you. Because all, we all need to be able to wait well. We all need to be able to wait well. Amen?
Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us to look at what your word has to say. We thank you for the reminders that we need to be seeking after you from an eternal perspective. And be mindful that even in our prayers, there is an eternal purpose involved. We thank you, Lord, for how you touch us, how you move us, how you energize us with your presence. We thank you for the reminders on how you will do great things. And you tell us just to watch and see and be amazed. And Lord, we have been amazed and we are continually continually amazed by your goodness, by your grace, by your mercy, by your healing. How you've touched us all. We are mindful and prayerful that you will help us to remember others who are in need of your touch. How we need to lift them up to you. How we need to lift up our very church. We thank you for those reminders, Lord. We pray now for the upcoming message and the speaker. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. We'll pick up next time.